Today on the Matt Wall Show, entire states are now going into lockdown. The economy is grinding to a halt. Meanwhile, there's a disturbing lack of answers from people in positions of authority. They aren't telling us the end game. They aren't giving us a timetable. They haven't done or said enough or anything really to convince us that they've properly balanced the threat of, uh, of an outbreak against the threat of, of economic collapse. At what point does the human cost of destroying the economy outweigh the cost of a potential mass outbreak? Uh, that's a question that people in positions of authority, the government, they're not really, they don't appear to be grappling with. At least they're not telling us. They're not giving us the answers. So today we'll try to sort through that. And uh, I have some questions that I need to ask. And a few days ago, I was asking questions of the people who are in the, this is an overreaction camp. Uh, today, I want to ask some questions of the other side of this. Also, making matters much, much worse and making the crisis of trust, trust in our authority figures, much worse. It appears that some senators have been uh, engaging in insider trading based on the, the information they received in private briefings about the pandemic. So while they gave us, while they were reassuring us and telling us it's not going to be a big deal, they were dumping stock. So we'll talk about that. And the GOP's stimulus plan has been released. It is terrible. Really, truly terrible. And I'll tell you why. Plus five headlines, uh, all of that and more coming up. Now, I know I said yesterday that today on the show, it would be the no corona show. It would be a show where I don't talk about the coronavirus. But events have changed that. Events, dear boy, events have, uh, have transpired. And so I feel like I, 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 there's, there's a lot that happened even just last night that I feel the need to address. I must go back on my promise then, and I beg your forgiveness. Instead of the no corona show, I'll try to make this a low corona show. It'll be It'll have the coronavirus. It'll be a mild case of the coronavirus. This show will need just a week of rest and, some, and a lot of fluid to get over the coronavirus. Um, so much has happened in the last 24 hours. We're going to try to get through this. We begin with the state of California issuing a lockdown order to all of its 40 million residents. Everybody is being ordered to stay indoors in the entire state. Shelter in place. All businesses must close, with some exceptions. I think that you're allowed to take a walk or let your kids play outside in your yard. So they'll, they'll give you that. Very generous. But other than that, you got to stay inside. Uh, this is reading now from CNBC. It says, all dine-in restaurants, bars and clubs, gyms and uh, fitness studios will be closed, according to the order. Public events and gatherings are also not allowed. Essential services will stay open, however, such as pharmacies, grocery stores, takeout and delivery restaurants and banks. According to the order, Californians in uh, 16 critical sectors are to continue working. Those include emergency services, energy, and food and agriculture. Newsom said that uh, he made the decision based on some new information and projections that came in from Johns Hopkins University. He reiterated through, throughout the press conference and in response to questions from reporters, we need to meet this moment and flatten the curve together. Okay, meanwhile, the state of Pennsylvania has issued an order not quite as severe, but, but nearly, despite the fact that there are only about 180 cases of the virus in the state, a state of 12 million people, and that many of these people are spread out, okay, relatively isolated, living up in the mountains in, in central and, and eastern and western Pennsylvania. Despite all that, the governor issued an order shutting down almost all businesses, but not all. And some of the distinctions here, to me, seem kind of arbitrary. You tell me what you think. Reading from uh, NBC Philadelphia's website, it says, the only businesses that can stay open are, quote, life-sustaining ones, Farms and their suppliers, food manufacturing, medical care facilities, medical product suppliers and banks, retailers that sell food, gas, automotive parts, and building materials may also stay open. Restaurants may continue to offer takeout. 
Other manufacturing and construction companies must close as much as 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 uh, as must all other retailers, insurance companies, legal firms, employment services, beauty salons, barbers must close their locations. Accountants must close. Social, social services agencies can stay open, but unions must send their workers home. Movie or music studios must close, but TV and radio stations may stay open. Beer, beer distributors, it is important to note, may stay open. Well, that is very important to note, I will say. And believe me, I'm glad that beer distributors are still open. But it raises questions. Is a beer distributor really life-sustaining? I'm a big fan of beer. Like Brett Kavanaugh, I like beer, okay? I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it life-sustaining. That might be a little bit too far. Uh, and so you have to ask a question, because beer distributors are closed, or are open, rather. Liquor stores, though, are closed in Pennsylvania. So you close the liquor stores, beer distributors are still open. Now, people who know how the state works might point out that, well, liquor stores are run by the state, whereas beer distributors are privately owned. Plus, Pennsylvania has all kinds of weird rules with alcohol. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, for example, if you buy beer at a grocery store, you can only buy like a, a, a certain amount of ounces at a time, and so which means that that if you're buying beer for a party or something, you have to make multiple trips and pay multiple times. It's stuff like that. But still, it raises a question because they've shut down many other private businesses. They're leaving the beer distributors open. It raises the question of, are people more likely to pick up the virus while buying whiskey than they are while buying a six-pack of Bud Light? Is, that, is there any science behind that? And if not, then why not leave the liquor stores open? If it's, if it's relatively safe to go to a beer distributor, then is it not relatively safe to go to a liquor store? And then why wouldn't you leave that open and so, and so that we can keep at least that little part of the economy going? Uh, more questions that I want to ask, but before we do, I want to take a time out here uh, for a word from the Benham brothers. You know, obviously, as we're talking about now, we'll talk more about in the show, uh, what's happening now with, the, with the, the coronavirus epidemic is having a huge impact on small business owners. And, um, and it's, it's causing a lot of small businesses to have to reshuffle on the fly. And it's been very impressive. Some of the small business owners I've talked to and, and this is this is part of American ingenuity. It's it's you know you you meet a challenge, and there are, there are businesses that are re- totally reworking how they do things overnight to try to compensate for this. Um, but when you start having your employees working remote, you have to manage your workforce and your workflow really well. You know systems become very crucial. The Benham brothers are great at managing work teams that are all over the country. These guys have over a dozen businesses, including a real estate empire that spans over thirty five states. That, night, that name might even ring a bell. It does for me. The Benham brothers were slated for a reality TV show on HGTV, and they were canceled because of their commitment to conservative values. So these guys, these are, these are great guys. I'm big fans of theirs. Um, and they, they just, they believe in, you know, they have values and principles, and they believe in those, and they're willing to sacrifice for them, and I have immense respect for that. Over the last six months, these guys have been working on a new course called Expert Ownership, How to Own a Business Without It Owning You. In it, they teach entrepreneurs and small businesses uh, the exact system they've used to help build their businesses. If you're sitting at home trying to run your business right now and you're going through this, expert ownership was made for you and uh, it's what you need to check out. The Benham Brothers were slated to start advertising this course next week, but they decided to do an early release of the course at a big discount to help small business uh, owners and entrepreneurs who are going through this difficult time to help them, to help you. So head over to benhambrothers.com Walsh to see a preview of the course and get a special discount. That's 
benhambrothers.com slash Welsh, B-E-N-H-A-M brothers.com slash Welsh. Okay, other questions about this order in Pennsylvania. Um, if you're, and, and in other states too, not just Pennsylvania, but if you're leaving open all these other businesses, as Pennsylvania is, uh, California is, all these other states and cities and, and municipalities that have shut things down, well, we've got other, there's still plenty of businesses that are left open because they've been judged rightly or wrongly, uh, absurdly or not, as life-sustaining. But if the virus is really as bad as you say and it's as contagious as you say, which it might be, I'm not saying that it isn't, then isn't it going to spread at the grocery store and at the beer distributor and at these other life-sustaining places? On the other hand, though, if we can trust people to go to the grocery store and practice social distancing and wash their hands and not get sick or get anybody else sick, which we need to trust them to do that, apparently, in order to, we need to have the grocery stores open at least, right? Well, then, if we can trust that, then why can't we trust them to do it at, say, PetSmart or Dick's Sporting Goods or, you know, the insurance agency? So take, uh, you know, a random guy, Bob Smith, gets in his car, drives to the grocery store, manages to follow all of the anti-corona guidelines, which, again, we need to trust him to do that. We have no choice. Um, doesn't spread any sickness or get sick while, while, while buying his, his milk and, and eggs and pile-driving old ladies for toilet paper. Okay, great. Now he gets back into his car. Why can't we trust him to repeat that feat? at, I don't know, Marshall's on the way home. He could do it while buying eggs and buying milk. Why can't he do it while buying a pair of jeans? These are questions. I, I think they're good questions, and they're questions that people in positions of authority need to answer. It, it's not enough to just shut everything down. You have to specifically, well, why that? It's a, it's a fair question. Why specifically that? And if this is open over here, and this, over thing that, that, and this thing that you've closed down is very similar to that, then why not leave it open? It's not like it's a small thing to just, well, we might as well close it. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. And I'm just using Pennsylvania as an example here because I know the state very well myself, but these kinds of measures are being taken everywhere, of course, if not more extreme measures. But just taking this state as an example, um, continuing along with this, there are less than 200 confirmed cases in Pennsylvania right now. Out of the state's 67 or so counties, Half of the counties have no cases as it stands right now. Last I checked. Many of these counties are isolated. They're up in the mountains somewhere. Um, and most of the cases are in two counties, Philadelphia County and Allegheny County, which includes Pittsburgh. So you take those two out along with Montgomery County and Delaware County, which are also counties in, in, around the populous areas, um, around the urban centers of the state. So you take out those four counties, and you have a small smattering of cases stretched out across mostly mountainous and rural regions of the state. For an example, uh, Wyoming County in Pennsylvania, a very tiny little county up in northeastern Pennsylvania, 1,000 people. It is home to, uh, Tunkhannock, uh, to the city of Tunkhannock with 1,000 people, a couple stoplights. You've probably never heard of it. Most of the, of the country, is, uh, most of the, of the county is, is country, is rural. No cases right now in Wyoming County. So why do you need to shut it down? It's, it's, it's also not a wealthy county. These are working people. Why aren't they allowed to go to work? They're up in the mountains. There are no cases. If nobody has the virus right now, and there's a good chance it will stay that way, especially if you've already locked down the counties that have all the cases, or most of them. 
So why lock down that county? These are questions. Earlier in the week, I was asking questions of the people who think this is an overreaction. Now I'm asking questions in the other direction. I don't have the answers. I've said that a million times. I don't have them. I don't know. So you know by now, if you're looking for someone who can confidently declare what the right answer is and what's going on, I'll tell you what's going on. Here's what we should do. You're, you're listening to the wrong guy because I don't have those. I don't have that. And if you know someone who has that, let me know who that person is because I'd love to listen to them. I don't know. But here's the thing. If you're in a position of authority and you're taking these drastic measures, draconian measures that will cause great hardship to many people, uh, which maybe it's necessary. But my point is you ought to have more answers than I do or anyone in the audience does. So I don't feel bad saying I don't have answers, yet I'm still expecting the authorities to have some answers. The reason I expect it is because of what they're doing. This can't be a just-in-case type of thing. The cost is too great. The human cost is too great for just-in-case. We need to know that there is a specific science-based, numbers-based reason, and that there's an end game, that there's a point where we'll know that it's been successful and we can get back to our lives. This can't be open-ended. It can't just be, we'll shut it down for now, we'll see how it goes. It can't be that. Because a lot of people don't have the luxury for that. I have the luxury for that. Uh, because I can work from home. Many people do not. And we also need to know if we shut everything down for two weeks or two months or six months, um, and the longer it is, the worse the effect in the economy is going to be, well, how do we know, how sure are we that if we shut everything down and then once we open things back, back up again, how sure are we that the virus, virus won't come surging back to life? And at which point, we'll have the virus to deal with and a destroyed economy. Um, as I've been talking about this this week and trying to work through it myself, getting a lot of emails and messages from people who are, you know, I, who are affected by this or out of work or, or just are thinking about it like I am. And I've, I've read almost all the emails I've gotten because I'm, I'm very interested in what other people are thinking because I'm just as, as confused as anybody else. But what I, the, the thing I keep hearing is we need the end game. We need to know what the plan is. We need more information. This can't be indefinite. The things people are saying to me are, are you know, I'm, I'm willing to make the sacrifice, but I need to know what, where is this headed? The other point is if this shutdown uh, lasts for many weeks or months, the human cost, the lives destroyed, the people who die from that, that toll may be greater than the toll that the virus takes. I don't know if that's true or not. Nobody does. But it's a persuasive argument. At least it's an argument that people in positions of authority need to grapple with. Publicly. Not just done in their heads, not in their private meetings, but they need to come in front of the American people and explain, if you're shutting everything down, you must be pretty confident that's not the case. You must be pretty confident that the human toll, the human cost of the outbreak will be greater than the very significant human toll and cost of, the, uh, of, of an economic downturn or depression. But that needs to be explained much better than it's being right now. Now, we were told 15 days at first. 15 days to slow the spread, they said. Well, it's, it's, you know, if it's only 15 days, we're halfway through it now. I think most of us can agree. All right, we can do that. The, the economy can recover. I don't think 15 days is going to destroy the economy. It's going to be serious hardship. I'm not downplaying that, but I think we can recover from that. But now we're being led to assume that this will last much longer than 15 days. Okay, well then again, how long 
What is the end game? We all need the information that the government has. Whatever, the, whatever information they're basing this on, tell it to us. So you get the sense they're not telling us everything. And we need to know that the people who are, who are in, in power appreciate the enormous, truly inconceivable suffering and hardship that will be caused by a long-term, indefinite shutdown of the whole economy. Now, the city of Los Angeles is completely locked down, and, um, and now the state is too, of course, but LA's been locked down for a week or, week or so already. The mayor of Los Angeles was on CNN last night, and uh, he was given an opportunity to provide answers to some of these questions that I'm asking and that you're asking. His answer that he gave pissed me off, I have to be honest with you. And if, when you hear it, it may not be immediately obvious why it's so infuriating. But we'll talk about that in just a second. First, you know, in this quarantine, everything, everyone's looking for things to do. I was at the store the other day, and I was looking for a, trying to get a board game. And the, the, the board games, and there's now a run on board games. They're all cleared out. So we're all looking for things to do. I think now's a great time to read a really good book. Don't just sit there watching the news and scaring yourself the entire time. Pick up a good book. Joel C. Rosenberg is a New York Times bestselling author who draws from extensive research and real-life meetings with world leaders for his fact-based fiction. Uh, Joel's books have been read by Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Pompeo, um, White House Foreign Policy Advisor Jason Greenblatt. So it's you know, the, the people who, who know about this stuff are reading these books, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and to them it's very compelling because they know how realistic it is. Joel's new novel, The Jerusalem Assassin, centers around a fictional American president who's ready to roll out a Middle East peace plan at the time, as the time draws near to announce the peace plan in Jerusalem. High-ranking American officials begin to be assassinated one by one. CIA operative Marcus Riker has spent his career studying killers. Now he must think like one to stop a deadly threat. It's just a, it's just a great book. Uh, it's uh, absorbing and entertaining. And uh, even though it deals with some serious subject matter, it's at least going to take your mind away from all the coronavirus stuff for, for a little bit. The hardcover and ebook versions of the Jerusalem Assassin by Joel C. Rosenberg are available at your favorite retailer's website. Through the end of March, my listeners can get a hardcover copy of the Jerusalem Assassin for an additional 10% off at Tyndale.com. That's T-Y-N-D-A-L-E.com by entering Walsh at checkout. T-Y-N-D-A-L-E.com. Promo code Walsh for an additional 10% off. Now, the mayor of Los Angeles was on CNN last night. And he was asked some of these questions. And as I said, his, his, his answer made me angry. Maybe, maybe you could tell why. Watch this. The big pushback is the cost, uh, that this tanks the economy. And how can it be worth it? Uh, this isn't the plague it's just the flu. 80% of the cases are okay. Why isn't this going too far? I started with the premise tonight that human life is precious. If we don't start there, I don't know where we ever start. What's the price of that life of that loved one who's battling cancer or who has a pre-existing condition of your parents or grandparents just because they're older and they're going to have a one in eight chance of dying, unlike your child who might only have a one in 10,000 chance of dying if they get it. I think that we hopefully as human beings believe that all human lives are precious. And by the way, I think it's a false dichotomy. The blow to the economy of us letting this continue to go forward, of us not treating this with the seriousness, these companies, these places will be under anyway. If we have all of our doctors and nurses sick, they will not only be able to respond to this crisis, but to the other health crises that threaten people's lives. And we will lose lives in that scenario too and cripple our economy when people in key sectors can't even come to work. Yeah, that ticks me off and it scares me. 
And here's the reason. He's asked a good question. The question so many are asking, is this an overreaction? Are you, aren't you crippling the economy? Isn't that going to be worse than whatever the virus would do? His answer is, life is precious. That's his answer. Life is precious. Yes, life is precious. But you know, Mayor, that's a cliche. That's a platitude. That's something you put on a bumper sticker. It's not an explanation that you give to Americans who are now out of work and not able to eat or feed their children. You don't give them bumper stickers. You don't give them patronizing slogans about life is precious. They already know that. They're worried about the lives of their children, their families. You especially don't give them a slogan that you yourself clearly don't believe, considering as the mayor of Los Angeles, I assume you're pro-abortion. And besides, the lives that will be destroyed and the people who will potentially die in a Great Depression, if that's where this goes, are also precious. So we need a real answer. We need numbers, science, statistics, evidence. The answer scares me, and, and, and so much of what I'm hearing from these government officials scares me because it sounds either like they don't know the answers, they don't have great reasons, and they're doing this anyway because they don't appreciate what it costs, what it's doing to people, or they do have answers and reasons that they aren't telling us. Either way, it's not good leadership, to put it mildly. We deserve to know, and you need to tell us. Listen, as I, as I said now a million times, I'm confused myself. If, but if these state officials are as confused as me or you, then they shouldn't be shutting down the economy for an indefinite period of time. Because then they're flying blind and they're just potentially causing a Great Depression almost at random or on a coin flip. It can't be that. This can't be, ah, I could go either way, flip a coin, okay, shut down the economy. It can't be that. I'm sure that that is not the right answer. If they have good, solid reasons, reasons that, that balance the cost of the outbreak against the cost of an economic collapse, we need to hear them. They need to be explained in great detail um, you know, from these people in positions of power. And if they have it figured out to that extent, then they need to be able to tell us what success looks like and how we'll know we've gotten there and when the end date is, or at least a ballpark estimate. Because the other problem is people can't budget, they can't navigate their way through this if they have no idea how long it's going to be until they get their next paycheck. And then you read about these senators who allegedly dumped stock after uh, private briefings on the virus outbreak back in, back in January, according to reports, Feinstein, Burr, and um, Loeffler, probably among others, but those are the names that are out there right now, allegedly were told how bad it would be in private briefings in January, then they went and sold their stock while telling the public that everything would be fine. At least Burr and Loeffler went out uh, shortly after that, and they were downplaying it when they knew that wasn't the case because they were dumping their stock. Now, if this is true, of course, these people should be publicly flogged and thrown in a cage for the rest of their lives. But this is devastating to hear right now, especially now, because it further erodes what little trust people have in the institutions that are making these decisions. That's a powder keg. When you've got people making these kinds of decisions and affecting people's lives in such a dramatic way, and we can't trust them, powder keg. I mean, you're asking for chaos. According to these reports, lawmakers were keeping the truth from us 
or obfuscating it, watering it down while they went off to profit off of what they knew. Where else is that happening or something like it happening? This is why platitudes won't cut it. We need answers, real answers, real data, a real plan. This is not a game for people. If I didn't have an income right now, I keep thinking about it. If I didn't have an income right now, I've got four kids to feed. What the hell would I do? I would be at a point very soon where I would say, even if the, the China virus gets 10 times worse than it is now, and even if the mortality rate is 10%, I still might have to work. It's, it's worth the risk to me to work because I got to take care of my kids. What am I going to do? What choice do I have? Now, by the grace of God, I don't have to make that calculation. A lot of people do and will. And who knows, if the entire economy comes collapsing down, then, uh, then, then maybe eventually I will too. There are very few people who are going to be uh, insulated from it completely. I don't think I'll be one of them. So who really knows? We just need a better, we need better leadership, more information, and a better plan. Speaking of needing a better plan, Republicans unveiled their stimulus plan, uh, their plan to help American workers. And it is, look, I'm, I'm sorry to, to keep the outrage flowing in this, uh, through, these, through these segments, and I'm sorry to be so negative, but um, their plan is outrageously, outrageously bad. Let me read the report from CBS. And in fact, uh, before I do that, I want to check in and, and tell you about Honey. Now, I've told you about Honey before. It's just a, it's a great service that, especially these days, when we, you need to, everyone needs to save money. So I, I implore you, there's no reason not to have Honey. And you know, you go back. You remember the days of of having of coupons. I never really did the coupon thing myself, but I can remember back in the back in the old days, going to the grocery store with my mom or something, and she's got she pulls out her pocketbook and is rifling through all the coupons. Well, that's gone now. You don't ever need to do that again, thanks to Honey. You know that Honey is a free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and, and applies them to your cart. Um, I just I want you to imagine how great it would feel to save money. With honey, when you when when you know that you're, you know that you're, getting more bang for your buck, because all you did, was take advantage of this free service. Did you know that Honey supports over thirty thousand stores online? That's including Macy's, Target, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And they're adding more every day. Honey has uh, found it's over eighteen million members, over two billion dollars in savings. And again, um, these days, when you need, when every every penny really counts, and so this is a way to save money. Using Honey feels pretty ga- great. Think of it as a little a little daily victory. Although I would say, you know, they call it a little victory. I think they're underselling it. I think it's a it's a pretty large victory now. Uh, plus, it's free to use and install in just a few seconds. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com/walsh. That's joinhoney.com/walsh. All right, Republicans unveiled their stimulus plan. Reading from CBS, the Phase 3 bill unveiled by Senate Republicans on Thursday includes rebates of $1,200 for most individuals who reported less than $75,000 on their $75,000 on their 2018 tax returns. So, $1,200 if you reported less than $75,000 on your 2018 tax returns or $2,400 per couple who filed their taxes jointly in 2018 and made less than $150,000. Another $500 will be added for every dependent child. Low-income Americans with at least $2,500 of qualified income but who do not earn enough to pay income tax get a smaller benefit of $600 or $1,200 for couples. The payments will be gradually phased out for individuals with income between $75,000 and $99,000, at which point payments cut off. And then also, from what I've read, it phases out completely for couples at $198,000. This is terrible. Um, they're going to send you $1,200 to compensate for all the lost wages as long as you didn't make more than $75,000 two years ago. 
What if you made $80,000 two years ago, but you make $65,000 now, and you've been out of work for two weeks? Well, you're out of luck. What if you're a single parent with three kids who makes $100,000 and lives in a place like New York, where the cost of living is extremely high? A person in that situation is not anywhere close to wealthy. They're essentially living paycheck to paycheck, uh, but they're out of luck, apparently. Now, it's not entirely clear to me. They say that if you're joint, if with a joint income, then the, 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 the phase-out limit is $198,000 uh, if, if you're j- filing jointly. Well, what if you're a single parent, you're filing as head of household, but you're, you're not filing jointly because you're not, you don't have a spouse? Do you, uh, are you at the $198,000 threshold or are you at the $99,000 threshold? That's not entirely clear. It looks like you're at the ninety nine, dollars but either way, it's terrible. What if you're a family of six making $200,000 a year, but your business has taken a massive hit and it might not ever recover, and you're burning through your savings? Out of luck. Sorry. So we're going to give money to a single person making $70,000 in Vermont, meaning this person is is basically well off. They have no dependents, low cost of living. In fact, imagine a a single person making $70,000, low cost of living, and is working from home right now and hasn't lost any income. They're going to get a check, but a family that loses everything and lives in a high-cost area may get nothing. Does this make any sense? Now, if you really wanted to means test this thing, which is what they're trying to do, you would need to know where people live, if they're single parents, how much they're making now, not two years ago, how much they've lost in the last two weeks, how much they're expected to lose over the next few months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's impossible to know all of that, which is why you need to give money and a lot more of it to everybody you know, and let people who don't need it donate it. That should be the plan. Give money to everyone. Let them donate. I've already said, we don't need the money. Give it to me. I will give it to somebody else. I, I'm not alone in that. I'm not some super generous charitable guy. Americans like to donate. Why do you think there's, there's a viral GoFundMe campaign every day in this country? Many times for frivolous reasons, and it's like it's that's why it's so easy. It's unfortunately there's that's the bad side of being so charitable as Americans. We're very easily scammed. Anyone could come up with a scam GoFundMe and make a million dollars just because we love to donate. So what do you think Americans are going to do? You get a you get a campaign going. You send checks to everybody. You get a campaign going. I already suggested hashtag pass the buck, encouraging people. Get all the celebrities instead of singing John Lennon Imagine. Get get them to encourage. You know they can take videos of themselves. Uh, whatever, passing their money along to someone, whatever it is. People like to also be charitable and brag about it. On, on, So take advantage of that, too. This will be very easy to do. You don't have to means test. We're not relying on the government to decide who deserves it and who doesn't. Local communities can decide that. I know who in my life and who I know that, uh, that needs the money. The government doesn't know. I do. So give me the money. I'll pass it along. And it's not like I'm saying give me your money or give me, no, no, give me my, it's my money. I'm a taxpayer. I work. I I support the system. So that's my money. Give me some of my money back, and I will pass it along. And for the people who are out of work and need it, that, again, is their money. And not just $1,200. They're going to need a lot. What what the hell is $1,200 going to do? You know, for most people, that doesn't even pay rent. If you got three kids, you get $1,200, and you're not working, that money is gone like that. You're going to decide, am I paying rent or, or am I buying food for a month? Or am I doing a little of both? Well, a little of both doesn't work, does it? Because paying half of your rent's not going to work. Feeding half of your kids won't work. This is... I have to try very hard not to um, 
not to, I'm trying to control my language so I don't start dropping vulgarities. This is a family show. It just makes me angry. This is not, you, you, this is not good enough. You're telling people, you, you are shutting down, the, whether it's justified or not, you are doing this. You are taking people's money. That's their money they have in the first place. You know, we're, we're the ones supporting the system. It's our, our money, give it back to us. And I don't want to hear that we can't afford it. You know, billions of dollars are wasted every, billions are wasted every year on, on programs and agencies and, and initiatives and everything that are entirely superfluous and that exist only to provide money and income to federal employees. Get rid of those. What about all the foreign aid we're sending everywhere to other countries? Well, we need that now. We need the foreign aid. We need aid for ourselves. You know, maybe instead of sending, a, 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 you know, $3 billion in cash to some other country, some foreign government, maybe give it to your own people. We've got military bases all across the globe. Maybe shut a few of those down. I mean, there's, there's plenty of money out there. The government makes $4 trillion a year, $4 trillion, and they waste most of it. They could afford, and when I say they, I mean we, could afford to give checks of much more than $1,200 to everybody. All right, let's go to uh, headlines. I said this would be a low corona show, but I've talked about coronavirus for 30 minutes, so you can't trust me. Especially when I get emotional, I start screaming. You never know when it's going to end. But um, I am going to try to at least give you five headlines that have nothing to do with coronavirus. I will try to do that. So these are five non-corona headlines. I'm a man of my word. Partially, at least. I'm partially a man of my word. Um, Okay, so five non-corona headlines. There are other things happening in the world, okay? It's not just this. Number one headline, Oprah Winfrey has not been arrested for sex trafficking. This This is a headline. Because there was a rumor online that Oprah Winfrey has been arrested on sex trafficking charges. Turns out that was just a rumor. It was made up by uh, 4chan or somebody. And um, she sent out a tweet yesterday saying, no, I haven't been arrested on sex trafficking charges. So it turns out that she hasn't been. That's the story. I guess every single headline could just be famous people who were not arrested on sex trafficking charges. Um, Headline number two. Nick Nolte has not been arrested on sex trafficking charges. No. Uh, reading now from the Daily Wire, Marvel Comics is finally debuting its long-promised non-binary superhero as part of their new Warriors reboot. And uh, the name of this individual is Snowflake, an obvious jab at transphobic detractors. Bounding into comics uh, revealed their trailer for the Marvel's new Warriors reboot earlier this week, and both Snowflake and their twin Safe Space feature prominently. The original New Warriors debuted in the early 1990s as a selection of rebel mutants somewhat junior to the more experienced Avengers. They came along at a time when Marvel was trying to retool a number of its characters for a younger audience used to edgier, more relevant stories. And so now we're going to have a non-binary superhero. I'm glad that, look, in the middle of everything that's happening, at least Marvel is working on the important thing. This, This is what we need in these times. I hear it from people all the time. So many American workers are saying, I'm out of work. How do I feed my family? What I need is a non-binary superhero. And so I'm glad that Marvel is answering that call. Number three, according to the Mirror, reputable publication, a herd of elephants have broken into a home in a village 
and gotten drunk on whiskey. That's it. It's a headline. Okay. That's look. You wanted no. You wanted non-corona news. This is this is this is what you get. Number four: A pig in England swallowed a pedometer. That's one of those uh, step tracking things, like a Fitbit. He was given a Fitbit, I guess, so that he could get his fat butt into shape. But as gluttonous as pigs tend to be, he he, he ate it, pooped it out, and then uh, and then it started a fire. After it came out of his out of his butt, so that happened in England. Fire because of a pig that pooped. I I get I I get I tried. That's that's all I got. I can't even do five. That's all I could find. That's really I spent hours scavenging through the the internet to find five stories that had nothing to do with coronavirus, and I, that's all I could find. Actually, only three because the elephants who got drunk, that happened because they broke in they broke out of a preserve or a zoo or something when the country was locked down. I don't know. I didn't actually read the whole story, but. Uh, so I gave you three. All right. This has been a successful segment. That's why I'm a professional. Now let's move on to your daily cancellation. And I, I you know, I, I figure it's a very difficult week. Let's end on a positive note. So I'm going to, I'm going to, what I'm going to do here, and this is a first, may never happen again. Um, but I am going to, re- I'm going to re- reverse cancel someone. This is the opposite of canceling. This is bestowing an honor rather than heaping scorn on someone. And uh, what I want to do is I want to recognize a great achievement, a great artistic achievement. It is, it is corona-related, but I think it's worth it to see this. You'll, you'll enjoy it. The Department of Health actually has put out a PSA about the outbreak, very helpful PSA. And though it's a little bit aggressive, frankly, it also is a work of art, I believe. Uh, maybe one of the great governmental PSAs of all time. Take, take a listen to this. Move. You got coronavirus. Move. You got coronavirus. We ain't finna do this coronavirus. I ain't finna take a trip with this coronavirus. Move. You got coronavirus. Ooh, you got coronavirus. We ain't finna do with this coronavirus. I ain't finna take a trip with this coronavirus. I'ma chill at the crib cause I'm safe here. I ain't even about to drink me a corona beer. I'm about to stay at the crib for about a year. And I ain't coming back out until this clear i done bought me a mask and a lot of gloves and i still feel like that is not enough i ain't shaking no hands i don't want to hug make sure you wash your hands with a lot of love so if you got that cv they gonna find you if you coughing i ain't trying to be around you i ain't even trying to stand beside or behind you i'm gonna try to help them mother find you there you go i believe the lyrics were written by dr fauci uh, that's from what i read if you got that CV, they go and find you. Dr. Fauci, Circa, March 2020. Direct quote. Now, actually, credit where it's due. That was written by the rapper and poet uh, G-Mac Cash, which may be Dr. Fauci's rapper name. I don't know. Nobody knows. It's a, it's a mystery. All I can say is that it's good to see. You know, there, there are so many great things about this. And, and, you know, frankly, that's my jam, as the kids would say. That's lit. Dead ass. Okay. Um, really made me want to uh, raise the roof, frankly. Uh, but all I can say is it, I, I think it's good to see hip-hop culture embracing snitching, at least as it pertains to diseases. Because you heard he said in the song, you know, if you, if, you got, if you got the CV, if you got coronavirus, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell the mother effers where to find you. So if you commit a crime, right, if you kill someone, if you sell drugs, we're not going to snitch. That's where, that is an occasion wherein the snitch will get the snitch. Uh, or the snitch will wind up in the ditch, proverbially. But if you're sick, sorry, bud, you're on your own. That's, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the ethic there. I'm not really sure what the ethic is. 
but I appreciate it. Anyway, you know that Ben Shapiro always says that rap, rap isn't music. Well, what do you say now, Ben? What do you say now? You think Mozart compo- composed anything that could remotely compare to what you just listened to right there? Facts don't care about your feelings. Neither does the coronavirus. And we will leave it there. I think, you, I, I think, I think it's probably enough. Um, I hope you guys have a great weekend, as great as it can be. Please do stay safe out there. And um, God bless and Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, supervising producer Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, Editor, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Hey, 